This is the Town Roots Podcast, episode number 33. Welcome to the Town Roots Podcast, the podcast of, about, and for Oakland. No matter if you live in the town, do business here, or are visiting, we have something for you. And now, your hosts, Anthony Wilson and Vincent Hayes. Hey, Thomas, how are you? I'm well. How are you, sir? Good to meet you. And thank you for inviting me uh, for a little small conversation today. Yeah, no, fantastic. So today we're joined with uh, Thomas Lee from First Place for Youth, um, a, a foster youth advocate. And, and why don't we just start with that, Thomas? Why don't you just share with the listeners a little bit about First Place for Youth? I'd love to. So First Place for Youth has been now in existence for 24 years. Our headquarters is right there in the Bay Area in the city of Oakland, and we serve transition age foster youth ages 16 to 25, year old, to 25 years old uh, throughout five Bay Area counties, including in addition to uh, Los Angeles County. And we also have a presence around the country. We're actually expanding our model through great practice and evaluation and outcomes with foster youth over the last 24 years. We are exporting those learnings all around the country in states like Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Massachusetts, and also Ohio. And so what we're trying to do is change the child welfare system into a child well-being system where we're making sure in the most simplest terms, we want to make sure that every young person who is aging out of foster care has a fighting chance to be able to go out and achieve their own hopes and dreams. Well, that's fantastic. And I love how you said child well-being, child welfare, change that child well-being. That is, that is fantastic. Um, So tell me, how did the organization get started? So it began early on, actually, with uh, two co-founders, one by the name of Amy Limley and another one by by the name of Deanne Pern back in 1998, in fact, 1993. And what was interesting about those two, they were both Cal Berkeley students. Uh, that came together and saw that we had this enormous child welfare system here in the state of California. They wanted to do something about it. The second thing that they noticed, aside from the sheer magnanimity of our of our um, of our child welfare system, was they noticed that there was very few resources to help young people age out of foster care into independence. How are they going to be able to leave foster care at age eighteen and be able to go out and make a living, find an apartment? and deal with a really tough, unforgiving economy without any help. Uh, we don't ask our own children to take on a task that lofty, let alone get, uh, force young people who have experienced a variety of adverse life experiences uh, to do the same thing. So they took it upon themselves to create and uh, to create an organization that would solve a problem. And it's only it's only grown and evolved since then. So what are the biggest challenges that youth, um, face that are aging out of foster care? I think number one, we start with the, num- the primary intervention, which is a safe, affordable place to live. Um, it's hard to go at, to, to do well in school and to maybe go after a, a degree in college or learn a skill or a trade when you don't know where you're going to lay your head down on a day in a day out basis. It's also hard to go off and do well uh, in school and in life when you don't know where you're going to find the money and the resources to pay for food and to help uh, to use for transportation. And so what we do at First Place for Youth is make sure that youth 
acquire the skills and get the support and have somebody walking along their side to help them navigate to find their first job, to make sure that that job leads them on a pathway to making some living wages so they can afford to not only live in their own apartments, but to be able to live in the Bay Area long term and live in any of the cities where we work. And then last but not least, we want to make sure that they acquire the life skills to know how to problem solve and adapt to the different changing environments and seasons of life that get thrown at you. You know, for the last two and a half years, we've been all um, have, have had to endure the slings and fortunes of, of uh, the slings and arrows of fortune. And so one of the things that we try to do in our work is make sure that each youth has three dedicated staff members that are very deliberate and making sure they get the support and education, employment, life skills and housing. And so when I look at first place for youth, kind of what are you guys doing differently versus what the government agency would do or what other nonprofits out there might be doing? Yeah, great question. So one of the things that we do, we make a huge investment in our youth. Uh, I think one of the things that differentiates our work from others, not only, like I just mentioned, we have three dedicated professional helping uh, adults that are building relationships to make sure our youth are succeeding health and life skills, education and housing. Mm-hmm. A lot of organizations task one person to do all of that work. That's a big burden to, to carry. Mm-hmm. The second thing is that we are always constantly evaluating and learning from our practice. We want to figure out how we can achieve the absolute very best outcomes for our youth. So we have a dedicated team of data scientists that are always looking at our inf- looking at our the results coming from our intentional work to see how we can how that can inform even better practice. And we have all of this codified and that this is just our standard mode of operation for all of our programs in all five counties in the Bay Area, including Southern California. So the way I think it works, at least, is like you have this youth in foster care and then they age out and then the county is kind of like, well, you're too old and we're done with you. Right. And they just kind of cast them out. And that might be a little harsh, but uh, but then you guys kind of step in and help shepherd them on. How long does your team work with them? Like, do they, is there a set amount of time or is it kind of until they no longer need that assistance? Yeah. So this is how it typically works. A here in the state of California, we had a lot of great partners that advocated with us on making sure that there was a, a thing implemented back in 2012 called extended foster care. In fact, this is actually the law of the land throughout the entire United States that young people when they turn 18, can elect to stay in foster care to get additional support until they turn age 21. And so what ends up happening is that a young person who is approaching age 18, they are given an opportunity to answer a question about do they want additional help or do they want to disconnect themselves from our entire state welfare structure and be on their own finally, or maybe just maybe live with a family member or a, a friend or go off to college. They have to make that that important decision. And it's in that decision making, if they elect to receive more services, is where they're introduced to us. And so we look at that opportunity as an honor to work with them one-on-one and to help them through from age 18 all the way to up to age 25. We even have housing support and life skill support that goes up to age 25. But the initial um, 
level of services begins at 18 and we stay with them for the two and two and a half years until they reach 21. And then, of course, we assess and see if they need additional support and we're happy to support them if they need more time. Because as we all know, Anthony, that some people get it figured out early. Some people need a little bit more time to bake in the oven before they're just right to go out into the world and do their thing. You're absolutely right about that, Thomas. Some of us yeah. need to bake a little bit longer than others. That's right. <laughs> so That's right. I know that. I know that personally. I need yeah. a little extra baking myself. <laughs> well, tell me this: what would surprise listeners about Boss Youth? Like, what what don't we know? What don't we get? What don't we see? Great, great question. So, let me just start with this. I think number one, I think a lot of people are aware of children in foster care, and there's a lot of connotations connected to foster youth. Let's start with this: children. Are who experience foster care are experiencing it through no fault of their own. We should never, ever stigmatize a person if they have a lived experience in foster care. For some reason or another, something broke down in the system, whether it's the support system in the, in the nuclear family, it's the system in our educational systems, it's a system in our child welfare system. Somehow there's some structural breakdown and how children ought to be cared for. So it's never through any fault of their own. So we need to make sure that we don't ever pack any stigma on them because of that lived experience. And we also should remember that if a person experienced foster care, it's not a lifetime sentence. It's a season of their life. It's not the sum total of their whole life. Mm -hmm. The second thing that I think is really important when we think about foster youth is to know that the majority of young people that go or experience foster care have done because of neglect, not abuse. We tend to automatically jump to the conclusion that people who have experienced foster care somehow suffered some type of abuse as well as neglect. But it's really largely neglect and a very small percentage is abuse. And this applies to foster children across our entire nation. The next thing, the third thing I think is really important is that here in the state of California, we have the largest foster care system in the country. The majority, a third of all foster youth are in Southern California. The rest are in the Bay Area and in Central Valley uh, part of California. So we have a problem here. It's been this way for decades. And the good news about this, Anthony, is that although the problem is big, and we're talking about tens of thousands of young people in foster care, the good news is is that this problem is not too big for us to fix. We can get our arms around it if everybody lends a hand. One of the things I often I often tell people that no one's absolved from being responsible for how we care and develop and raise children. We all play a role. And you just have to figure out what your role is. It might be as simple as writing a check. It might be through volunteering. It might be through mentoring. It might be joining a team and being a part of the team that's going to raise and teach and develop that young person. It might be in the world of advocacy and crafting policy. It might be in the world of the public sphere and, 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 and being a part of the making sure that there are great laws in place to protect children. But we all have a role and we have to find it. So those are just a couple. There's many more, but, you know, I want to make sure that I give some more time for more questions. Oh, for sure. No, these answers are fantastic. I'm learning a lot already. Um, tell me, Thomas, what does success look like? Right. I mean, is it going to college? Is it going to get a job? Is it, you know, if 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 I looked at a youth that came through your program, how would I say, oh, that's you know, that's a success story. And, and if you have a personal story or two about, you know, youth that came to the program, please share. 
Sure. So success looks different for every youth. Um, um, there are some there are some metrics that are pretty standard when we think about when we when we come up with a with a calculus of what a successful youth looks like. Like we can check the box and say they finished their uh, their bachelor's degree, they completed college, um, they're, they're working at a job that's paying good wages, they have their own house or apartment, and they're stable, and they're not a quote unquote burden on society. For some, that's success. We have a Thousands of stories of that of of youth that have obtained all of those milestones. We also have youth that have gone on to learn trades and they become successful in vocations, and some that have started their own businesses. And that is absolutely just as important as, as a success story as the others. And then we also have youth that have uh, started their own families and got married and and uh, and have found ways and found ways to become empowered to own their own mental health story. And they also been able to craft their own story and become the author of their own futures. And even though they haven't had great examples of what it means to be an adult or what it means to be uh, a healthy, whole individual person who is very confident in themselves and they have done that and they've been able to also, you know, happen to make sure that they, keep from becoming homeless and they have a safe security social net around them with friends and, and people who care about them and genuinely care about their future and their well-being. We have stories like that. And so when I think about all of that, I think all of those are success. We want to make sure, like I said, youth are able to have a fighting chance to achieve their hopes and dreams, whatever those hopes and dreams, they're all different because everybody's an individual, but whatever those hopes and dreams are, we ultimately want to make sure that they are free from potential of becoming homeless, free mm-hmm. of a life of poverty. We want them to make sure that they're free of a life where they're always questioning their role and place as a human in our society. I think that's ultimately what we feel is success. And like I said, I have numerous stories thinking about that. We have youth that have gone through our program that have become adults, and now they currently serve on our board of directors. We have youth that have gone through our programs and now they've started their own nonprofits and they're giving back in their own way. We have youth that have gone through our program and all in, and they work, um, and, um, in jobs that deal with sustainable food or they are butchers or they, and they work in meat departments and they have union jobs. And we have youth, like I said, who have gone on to start the families that they've always wanted to have and they live, they live in the Bay Area. And although they don't have, their degrees, uh, you know, place in prominent places in their home. What they do have is a level of uh, a level of accomplishment is that they're able to really care for their children in a way that they weren't care for themselves. And I think all of those are incredibly important success stories that we have to remember. Like success looks different for everybody. Oh, for sure. No. And that's thank you so much for sharing that. That was uh, that was definitely heartwarming. And, and you said that some come on to serve on your board of directors. And as you were saying, as you were saying that I was thinking, um, do you get a lot of the youth that come to, that came to your program to come back and work for the program? We absolutely do. We actually actively hire youth that are both in program and alumni of our program uh, to work here at first mm-hmm. place for youth. I mean, it's actually just to give you a, an inkling, you know, and I'm not going to call any of them out because like I said, Experience in foster care is a season of life. It's not some total of their whole life. We have people in our organization at all levels from our staff that are working directly with other 
with other youth to leadership that have all had lived experience in foster care. And, and we think of that as just an, an additional, uh, it's just an additional boon to us being able to be as um, mindful as possible about how those lived experiences is just another added level of expertise that they can bring to the work on a daily basis. And so we're really proud that we can have people in positions of leadership, governance, as well as in practice, all coming through. And there's a cyclical nature of how we're keeping those experiences a part of our really core model. And how do you guys go about finding your staff? Um, I know right now we're sort of going through this great resignation is this sort of a challenge for you or is it an opportunity? It's both. No, there's no doubt there's a challenge. Right now, uh, organizations like ours across all landscapes are struggling with recruiting and keeping staff because people are changing the way they view work. They're also changing how they're looking at their future careers. And so this is something we definitely need uh, your help with, Anthony. And I just want to put a plug in there. We're hiring. And we're hiring at all of our locations in the Bay Area as well as Southern California. Uh, one of the things that I want to say about this is that um, the great resignation is impacting us in a couple of ways. With uh, the shortage of when we have staff shortages, that means that youth are not being seen at the frequency and dosage that's optimal for achievement. Um, we're in the human business and in the helping business. And so What's really important for us is that we're seeing youth early and often. We're seeing them frequently, that there's continuity, that the same people that see them this week are going to be the same people they see two years from now. And so when people are coming and going and there's this shifting in the labor force that we're seeing right now, that disrupts that continuity, care, and love that youth need to grow and thrive. And so this is where we're looking for people who enjoy the art of healing, the art of helping others, of raising strong, healthy, critical thinking individuals. That's what we need more of in our society. And so this is a huge opportunity. So I'm just going to put this plug out. If you're looking for a career, um, looking to become a part of this profession, we would love to have a conversation with you. We encourage you to go to our website, firstplaceforyouth.org. We have a variety of career opportunities in multiple departments bring your expertise and join and be a part of our mission. Uh, thanks for sharing that. And I'll definitely include a link to your website and show notes for the episode. So Thomas, tell me this, why is this organization, why is first place for youth so important in Oakland? Yeah. So Oakland has a, a rich, beautiful history. I have to tell you personally, I've always connected to the sense of social justice. That's part of the foundation of some of the civil rights movement and, uh, and other movements that have happened throughout the history of Oakland. And of course, first place starts right there in Oakland. Our offices are right off 17th Street Broadway. And so Oakland is the hub for all of our work. And we have a commitment to the city of Oakland and to the needs of children. Because again, like I said earlier, Oakland is and the Bay Area, uh, Oak, Alameda County, as well as San Francisco County and the surrounding counties. There's a high percentage of foster youth aging out of care there. We feel like we have a, we have a, um, an imperative to dedicate our work to service of young people in that region and to make sure that we're offering them the very best of services and support over time. So that's one. I think the second part is, is that when I think about how we can continue to be one of the most innovative and cutting edge organizations, there's no better place to be than in Oakland. 
that's where always some of the best innovative ideas that come out of California starts. It begins there. And so this helps us stay really connected to the heartbeat and the essence of what California is and how to make change in a substantive way across. So it benefits everyone across the state. So we're moving through this pandemic, right? Hopefully we're closer to the end than we are to the beginning, but I don't think any of us really know the answer to that. But tell me this, how has the pandemic impacted first place for you? Are there things that you're doing now that you weren't doing before that you sort of figured out, hey, we should have never been doing it that way. And 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 we sort of adapted and now we're doing it a new way. And that's the way we should have been doing it all along. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I'll start with, I'll just start with uh, our youth first. I mean, it packs them the most um, at the very beginning. We're talking about being able to go to, you know, the many of our youth who had jobs where it disrupt their ability to earn an income. It disrupt their ability to go to school, especially when schools are down and all becomes virtual. You think about the, the tech, the imperative of all of us having really great computers and, and, and access to internet. Like all of those things had to be factors that we had to solve for very quickly, making sure that every one of our youth had the right amount of technology and support to be able to continue their education as well as for us to be able to communicate with them, especially with all the stay at home orders and stuff in place. So we, of course, we had to become an organization that became very good at hybrid work where we're doing a, a version of our support and coaching and mentoring at a distance and some of it in person and making sure that everyone's safe. The last thing we wanted to do is unwittingly uh, cause someone to get ill through the virtue of our services. We can't help and hurt at the same time. Um, the other thing is that, you know, our business is based on relationships. And so when we're not in close proximity and working with people and feeling the energy of one another, whether it's with between us and youth or a, all of my teams that works together. If we're not in close proximity to one another, we can't feel the ebb and flow of energy in our own spaces together. It's hard to keep that organizational continuity and strength um, and focus and, and togetherness as we once did pre-COVID. So those are some of the big challenges. And I wonder how many other organizations are feeling some of the same things. Although giving people the opportunity to work from home has certainly empowered and and made life better for many, especially those who are raising young children with all the different disruptions. Mm-hmm. But it also is a challenge to how we stay galvanized as a singular unit focused on a singular mission of helping young people reach higher levels of success in whatever ways they're, they're trying to seek it. Hey, Thomas, I love your energy and passion behind this. H- how did you get involved in this? Great question. Let me tell you, Anthony, um, for me, I've, I've lived uh, a really privileged life in a lot of ways. Um, and I think for me is when uh, I had a moment of recognition of who I was in my core. And, and what I realized was that I was always a protector at my core and a protector of the most vulnerable. I would be an absolute sheep if somebody were to bother me. But if you bother someone else who couldn't defend themselves, that's when I could become a lion. And so... Once I realized that that's who I was in my core, I have always sought after opportunities where I could protect those who didn't have all of the tools and resources to protect themselves and where I could be of the most use. And so throughout my career, I've been working in the world of child welfare for the last 20 plus years. I'm an educator by trade, and I've always tried to be, like I said, in places where I could be of the most use. And then when the opportunity came about to join the First Place for Youth team, Again, I saw this as an opportunity to serve up to 
not only um, directly 1,600 youth a year throughout all of our sites in the Bay Area and California, but also to expand our work to serve thousands more across the country. And so, again, I feel like this is an opportunity for us to finally get our, our hands around this issue and see if we can make a real difference in our lifetime. And so that's what animates me to do this work every day. Oh, fantastic. No, thanks so much for sharing your personal story. So if someone's listening to this, Thomas, they say, I want to get involved. I want to learn more. I know you gave out the website earlier, but but tell us, how can we find out more about First Place for Youth? Well, first, I, let me tell you, just tell you, I encourage you to visit our website to uh, feel free to reach out and we'll be happy to give you a tour of uh, some of our sites. Like I said, we're in five counties. I'll, I'll rattle them off really quick. We're in Solano County, Alameda County, San Francisco, Contra Costa, Santa Clara, as well as Los Angeles. And like I said, we also have a presence around the country. I encourage you to reach out, come by for a tour. Let's have a conversation. And, uh, and, you know, if possible, let's meet some youth so you can hear directly from them. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would encourage you is like, you know, look for opportunities. We'd love for you to, if you're interested in a career, you're interested in volunteering, you're interested in becoming a donor, you're interested in bringing some specialized expertise that you think can benefit our youth. Let's develop a partnership and do this together. Like I said, everyone has a role. Let's figure out what that role will be. If you have an office, you have a company that wants to get involved in some material way, youth are about to return back to school and go and, and start their their uh, 2023 campaign for going after their degrees and a variety of levels. This is an opportunity to get engaged. Um, you know, one of the toughest times for a lot of the youth that we serve is right around the holidays. They're fastly approaching. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to build more community. Let me tell you, social networks um, lower the need for, um, I've always said that social support networks lower the need for social systems. When people have strong friends and family around, they don't need other folks that work for our larger systems to come in and intercede when they have issues. We need to be build stronger social support systems. And that's really the essence of what we do at First Place for Youth building those strong support systems for youth so we don't need the social system so much. And almost most importantly, donate. If someone wants to donate, how can they do that? I'm sure you guys do a lot of fundraising, right? Absolutely. We're always in need of resources. Unfortunately, our work is not 100% paid by the state and county government. There's always a sizable amount we have to fundraise each and every year to cover costs for all of the work and innovation that we do. So if you go to our website, there's an opportunity to click the donate button and not only donate, but you can become a repeat donor. We'd love to have you a part of our network long term. We need to build a village. You know, I know that sounds cliche, but when I look into that phrase, the village was really the village is really about how do we create a larger community where everybody is we see ourselves and everybody and that they're a part of our world as much as we're a part of theirs. That's the village. And that's the, what we need to create. We need to have more believers. So join us. Absolutely donate. Become a believer in first place for youth. And so we can build this village. And by doing that, you will always be privy to the far sites around the country and here in California. But we also would engage you in a multiple ways to make sure that we get everybody involved in the ways that makes the most sense for them, for their time and resources, talent, time and energy. Hey, Thomas, this has been fantastic. I know I learned a lot more about foster youth than I knew before this interview started. So I so appreciate your time today. Anthony, I appreciate your invitation. Uh, on behalf of 
everyone in first place for you. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to talk about our work and share it with your audience. I'm looking forward to more conversations in the future. Be well. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Town Roots Podcast. For more information about the show, to leave comments and connect with the hosts, head over to www.townroots.com.